0: Welcome to the Executive Coach for Moms podcast, where we support women who are attempting to find balance and joy, while simultaneously leading people at work and at home. I'm your host, Leanna Lasky-McGrath, former tech exec turned full-time mom, recovering perfectionist and workaholic, and certified executive coach. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. I have a special treat for you today. My sister is here, my baby sister, Lara, and we saw the Barbie movie the other day and we walked out of the theater and we were just kind of like, stunned into silence a little bit, (laughs) like trying to process what we had just (laughs) experienced. And we felt like it would be fun to just kind of do a little debrief on a podcast episode. So I'm excited to welcome Laura to the podcast. Laura, do you want to um, say hi to everybody and just tell everybody who you are? Hi, everybody.
1: (laughs) I'm a mom of two. I am constantly trying to pursue my dreams of homesteading. Uh, while also uh, acting as general manager at the company where I work. And I don't typically watch movies and think, hmm, I need to think about that and debrief. But this one just really, um, I think, had a lot to consider. So I'm excited to kind of review all of that.
0: Yes. And I think a lot of people listening are parents. And I'm just going to note that if you have multiple kids, I just think it's fun to like see it in adulthood, <laughs> how, how the kids raised in the same place can just be so different. But Similarly, like Laura said, we both kind of walked out of there and we had a lot of thoughts. So we want to talk through all of those. And when I say all of those, we won't get to everything today because I think this movie had so many different layers and arcs and just ways that we could go. But we're going to kind of hit on some of the highlights that we wanted to dive a little bit more into. I do want to share that there are going to be spoiler alerts. So if you have not seen the Barbie movie and you plan to, you might want to pause and come back to this episode after you've seen the movie. Also, this is just our reflections because I think whether you enjoyed the movie or not, it has a lot of thought-provoking content. um, And so that's what we're going to be focusing on. We're going to jump into kind of going through the plot. So the first thing that we thought was really interesting was the idea of Barbie land. Barbie land is a world where women are in power and men are kind of an afterthought. It specifically says like Ken exists only to be noticed by Barbie. So the whole Supreme court was full of women. There was a woman president. I think also it only showed the women like their houses. And at one point someone asked like, where did Ken sleep? And she was like, I don't actually know (laughs) because It's just so woman-centric. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about just kind of that role reversal. What were your thoughts about that, Laura?
1: Well, I suppose in that sense, it could be a matriarchy. Although I typically think of that word as very like motherly leadership rather than like Mm. just female, but technically that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And in the way that Barbie, you know, is meant to show us all these different roles that women can be, um, like just from the toy that Mattel puts out. Mm -hmm. In that sense, I was watching it thinking like, oh, that would be so great if all these roles were filled by women, you know, be filling these roles. (laughs) But I will say the whole pen just only existing to be noticed by Barbie isn't ideal to me. Anybody being just completely irrelevant is either realistic or ideal.
0: Yeah. But can you relate to Ken at all in that role? I mean, of course there was some satire and maybe exaggerating a little bit. Really, if we think about the history of women, not in this century for the most part, though it still exists, it's kind of like, we existed to be married off, right? Like our mm. parents would get the dowry and like we would be essentially sold to right. the highest bidder. And so it was like, we were trying to catch the eye of a man right. and that was truly our role. Even
1: then it wasn't us catching the eye, it was our dowry catching
0: the eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it might've been a little bit of both. I, obviously like- Bridgerton is probably not a hundred percent historically <laughs> accurate. No, it definitely is. <laughs> but I'm just thinking of Bridgerton and in like that kind of time, right? Where it was kind of like in order for me to not end up a quote unquote spinster, I need to be discovered by mm-hmm. a man, right? So I don't think it's ideal. And I think that it's not that far-fetched from. The role of the woman in our society, especially mm-hmm. a few hundred years ago. And still, I think when we look back on things that were in the past and we're like, oh, but that's not now. I think we have to remember that like, it's still kind of like in our minds, right? Like it's evolved over time, but it's still mm-hmm. part of our history. It is still, you know, kind of there a little bit. Very recent history too. Right. There are people alive who lived it. Um... Right. And still happens in some cultures today. So Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I felt like Ken was kind of an outward reflection of what was being told to him. It was his job to catch the eye of Barbie, for example. And his existence was there to like kind of support Barbie. It wasn't like he was not the star of the show. And I think it was interesting to kind of see that reflected. It's like he was like the personification of that socialization of you are secondary to the more dominant gender.
1: Well, right. And even later in the movie, Barbie says, Ken is just superfluous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You don't actually need him there. He's just there and extra. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. And then Ken and Barbie go to the real world and they notice kind of a stark difference (laughs) because they are confronted in Los Angeles with patriarchy and recognizing that where they are in the real world is not anything like Barbie land. It is the patriarchy. And I want to just kind of say, I know that patriarchy can be a loaded word um, because of how it's been used and misused in our society today and politicized. So I just wanted to share, I went to the Googles to find some neutral words about patriarchy. So patriarchy is defined as a system of society or government in which the father or eldest male is head of the family and descent is traced through the male line. Another definition is a social system in which positions of dominance and privilege are primarily held by men. So if that's the definition of patriarchy, I think at least in the United States, that's what we're living in. We have forefathers, we, our government and workplaces were really set up by men, and policies were really created through their lenses. And so, really, also, both the government and workplaces continue to be largely run by men. Of course, more women are making headway, but still, currently in Congress, 27% of the House are women, 24% of the Senate are women, and only 10% of Fortune 500 companies have female CEOs. So we are more represented, but still very underrepresented in the highest levels of leadership and where decisions are made. And we've had 46 male presidents. We've yet to see a female president at this point in 2023, like while we see more women ascending into leadership, the fact that the vast majority of these highest systems of power are run by men, it just means that by definition, we're living in a patriarchal society. And I think some of the depictions, whenever they came to Los Angeles, every picture on money is a man's head and Mount Rushmore is made up of four men, right? And a bunch of other examples, but I think that it was really interesting. What did you think, Laura, about the depictions of patriarchy in when they got to Los Angeles in the real world.
1: Mm-hmm. I will, I mean, even as another example at Mattel, the entire board and CEO were men, even though they were, mm-hmm. you know, in charge of Barbie land. Yeah. And which to me just really rang out that even though there is this Barbie land of Matriarchy and empowered women, there are still all these men (laughs) somewhere in the real world. (laughs) <laughs> pulling the strings and making the decisions and and mm. then of course there was the barbie like feeling unsafe and that just
0: being okay
1: and normal mm. uh just shows like the power uh that that men have
0: yeah i think yeah so i think then kind of what happened once they kind of came into the real world is they felt a role reversal so suddenly Barbie was more in the Ken role. Although I don't think that Ken in Barbie land was like sexualized and kind of made to feel unsafe. I think it was just more, like you said, superfluous. Like they were just more ignored, which (laughs) (laughs) neither is ideal, obviously. So I think in that role reversal, then Barbie started to feel like unsafe um, whenever she approached the construction workers and Thought like, oh, this is a really safe place because she was used to a group of female construction workers saying empowering things um, in Barbie land that was different in the real world, right? The men were not um saying empowering things. They were doing the cat calling and, you know, that kind of thing and the things that often actually happen in the real world to women. And so Yeah. And then I think it was also interesting to see what happened to Ken in the real world. Well,
1: he points, they both point out that they see people and notice people like looking at them. Barbie's attention was a lot different from the attention Ken was getting where he said... They look at me mm. like they actually look at me and notice in me. And on top of that, they respect me. At one point, somebody asks them for the time mm-hmm. and thinks, oh, she has respect for me. You know, it's just clear that other men around are not mm, at, like at odds with him. It's more like there's all this empowerment to him, mm. but then just like tearing down a Barbie and sexualizing.
0: Yeah. When he walked past the gym, they were... Yeah, "Yeah, bro. (laughs) And high five in each other. Yeah, I think it's interesting because like they both went from one thing to being very noticed, Mm -hmm. but it was a very different experience for them both. Mm -hmm. Right. Because Ken was used to being ignored. So then he started to be noticed and he was like, yeah, this is awesome. Right. And he was being noticed in a positive way. Whereas Barbie was used to being noticed. Right. They all like wave wake up and say hello to each other yeah. all the time oh my <laughs> gosh like their arms must have been so tired <laughs> from waving all the time <laughs> there was a lot of recognition but it was all right kind of empowering recognition and then to come into the real world and be sexualized or talked down to objectified, objectified. yeah yeah so that's what I mean I don't think either is ideal but it's just interesting how it switched for both of them, but Mm -hmm. in kind of different ways. And so then Ken goes back to Barbie Land and takes this idea of patriarchy where men and horses (laughs) run the world (laughs) for whatever reason he grouped in horses, but he turns it into Kendom. And I think that was really interesting because of course, you know, you feel like you kind of get a taste of oh, this is what it's like to be respected and regarded. And so I want that for myself all the time. And I want that mm-hmm. for, for, I want other men to experience that. And so I think the idea of taking that back to Barbie land was like made sense or was maybe that's how we feel sometimes as women, right? Mm -hmm. Like we want to feel that too, but it was like, maybe went pretty far (laughs) away from Barbie land and way into Kendam with kind of the toxic masculinity. So do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it just is interesting because he was there for on well, a day or something in the real world. And then he goes back to Barbie land. And by the mm-hmm. time Barbie gets back there, he's completely turned it into a patriarchy with lots of toxic mm-hmm. masculinity. <laughs> and all the women are suddenly brainwashed and, you know, they doubt themselves and they think that they don't deserve any recognition and they are just there and serving brewski beers to the men because for some reason that's all they're good for now. But I thought it was really interesting that that happened so quickly. And obviously like it's not realistic to think that, Mm. you know, in the real world that anything like that would happen quickly. But I just think in the real world, we have been fighting for so long as women, to have that equality in leadership and otherwise, that it's just interesting to think about the patriarchy being so persistent and so pervasive. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like, you know, every step forward, there's still some steps back and uh, you can't be a feminist without somehow being offensive and so I just I just wonder what it is about the patriarchy that makes it that way. And one thing that I was kind of thinking about in terms of, like, the role reversal is that Ken didn't actually have a role in Barbie land. Mm. He was just superfluous. <laughs> and... <laughs> But like in a patriarchy, women do have roles, but those roles are not, you know, roles of power. Those roles are not autonomous. They're dependent on what a man is willing to allow them to do. Yeah, And so I wonder if that is why it's so persistent because there are roles that you can fall into and feel that's your role to fill as a woman. Mm -hmm. It's not as easy to see that like the roles that have a say over how things are done the leadership roles and roles of power aren't yours because you you do have a role
0: yeah it's kind of like what's coming up for me is the idea of kind of like busy versus productive it's like Mm -hmm. you can go 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 right like you're doing something like Ken wasn't doing anything his role his job was beach right
1: (laughs) And, but he couldn't swim, and
0: he—you're <laughs> right. Like he sort of had a role, but what well, was it? Like, it really wasn't, he really was—he wasn't contributing in any way. And so, yeah, it's right. like as women, like we are contributing right. to society. It's not like we're just standing at the beach <laughs> watching people drown, but <laughs> <And> like teaching, <laughs> So it feels like we're doing things, and and we are. But ooh, are we making the decisions for our future and for our next generation? not nearly as much as men are at this point in time. Yeah, and I think it was so interesting to see kind of what happened to the men. Like they just felt this, I think they even said like they felt this level of entitlement and that they deserve this. Mm. And it was interesting to see what happened to the women. Like I think one of the things that really kind of illustrated the change when they were brainwashed was at the beginning They were given awards, like the Nobel Prize, or I can't remember what exact awards. Mm -hmm. And the Barbie that received it said, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. And it was just like this innate feeling of, I am enough. I deserve it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, whenever the roles reversed, someone got an award and she was like, Oh, I don't know.
1: I mean, how did, how did I get here? It must've been Ken, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't me. It was, it can help me get here.
0: That's right. Yeah. Kind of like relegating her power and autonomy. She was not like, yes, I deserve this. It was like, hmm, that was an accident. Mm-hmm. I don't know how mm-hmm. this happened. Yeah. And so then the women Eventually snap out of it and take their power back. And I think that process to me was kind of the most important takeaway from the movie, in my opinion, because that was where they were at Weird Barbie's house and then America Ferreira gave her speech. And that's being quoted in lots of places. And I did want to just read it because I think this movie has been such a cultural phenomenon and it's the highest grossing female directed movie of all time. And I think it's just amazing. And also, I think you've seen the impact I've seen it on social media like women getting out of toxic relationships and abusive relationships because of this movie, because of them feeling empowered. And I just love to see that. I love to see that media and kind of entertainment can have that kind of impact on people's lives. I mean, that's amazing. So here's America for our speech. If you haven't seen the movie, this is where everyone probably teared up and also was like, yes, It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like we always have to be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You also have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And no one gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is true for a doll just representing women, then I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Manna, I, I love that speech. <laughs> it's so true. And, you know, it's interesting because, of course, the critique of this movie is that, like, it's too feminist or it's anti-men. And I personally didn't think that it was anti-men at all. Um, I think it was more showing men in women's roles and kind of what women go through. And I think that that speech is like such an opportunity for anyone who's curious about what it's like to be socialized as a woman in our society. Mm -hmm. I love that speech. And I think that what happened after that speech is that some of the Barbies snapped out of it. And so then that became the key to bringing all of the Barbies back and snapping them out of that brainwashing. And the quote I loved so much, I wrote it down, was by giving voice to the cognitive dissonance required of the patriarchy, you robbed it of its power. I thought that was so powerful. And I think that it's just goes to show that when we talk about it and we bring the issues to light, then that's when we can really kind of start to reimagine what our world can look like. And also that's when we start to feel empowered because I think a lot of times we think it's all in our heads. And whenever we hear other women saying that they experienced that too. And then also, I mean, the Me Too movement, for example, was so powerful because it was like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. And you just feel so alone. And then whenever we hear women talking about it, it can be so empowering and just putting a voice and words to what we're experiencing.
1: One thing that I remember in the movie was America Farrar's daughter. I think her character's name was Sasha. Sasha. At one point she's talking and she says, you know, everybody hates women. Men hate women. Women hate women. And uh, it's not wrong. (laughs) A lot of those things in her speech are about, you know, you have to do this, but you can't do this. And it can't be like this. It has to be like that. (laughs) And I think that sometimes we do that to each other. One of those things is you can't talk about it. (laughs) And I don't know that women have decided you can't talk about it Mm. or men have decided that, but either way, I think that's very common, you know, in our society is, well, you might have this problem, but you don't talk about it.
0: Mm -hmm. Don't air your dirty laundry. Yeah,
1: it's impolite. That could be just ingrained in us all these years to keep us down, maybe, Mm -hmm. Uh, because it is true that the more you talk about it and the more you share about it, the more you're able to recognize that one, you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. And two, hey, this is not right. Like this is, <laughs> this needs to change. <laughs>
0: something wrong here. It's something
1: wrong beyond us.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Whoever decided like what is ladylike and what is not, if we were to like make a list of all the things that are ladylike, mm-hmm. one is to keep quiet. One is no not speak up, right? Not complain. So, you know, whenever we start to Mm -hmm. feel these things, Mm -hmm. then we have this internal battle because we've been taught to keep our mouth shut and not complain. And also I agree. I think the idea that it's not like all male imposed, it's our society. So like we all are ingrained with this socialization, men and women. And so Whenever a woman is working so hard mm-hmm. to stay within the lines and the bounds of like what we're supposed to be, um, whenever we see another woman stepping out, it's like, hey, it's kind of like anger, right? And probably some jealousy. Yeah. But it's kind of like, hey, no, no, no. I've been mm-hmm. working my ass off to keep in line. And you're over there stepping out of bounds. Changing the rules. Yeah. yeah like, no. Mm-hmm. I and so I think that's part of what keeps us in line yeah
1: and that's that's why her saying like women hate women like yeah because when we see other women doing it differently when we've been trying so hard mm-hmm. not to <laughs> and to be successful within
0: the confines of the roles that were allowed
1: mm-hmm. exactly then it can you know it seems like there is a lot of anger and a lot of resentment and just a lot of like No, get back in your box. (laughs) Yeah,
0: literally, right? Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I do think it's so important. And again, I think if anybody is feeling like, I don't understand feminism or that it means that like anti-men stepping back for a minute and listening to that speech and just kind of trying to see it from that perspective, there's just a lot to learn there, in my opinion, about women's experience. Then the Barbies end up regaining control and we'll fast forward through that whole scene with all the machismo and tennis rackets and <laughs> volleyballs. I actually, I wrote down tennis rackets and volleyballs because you laughed so hard.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: it was so absurd and funny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. I think it's so much more fun watching movies with people who enjoy the movie. And <laughs> so I, I hate watching Christmas Vacation by myself. I would much rather watch it with dad who's going to like laugh so hard every time the cat That's <laughs> the Christmas tree. So true. So, yeah. So that's that's another takeaway. See the movie with someone <laughs> who is going to enjoy it. There were some super off the wall birds, but, and that was one of them. Very amazing. (laughs) I think at the end of that, so basically like the Kens took themselves down. So the women regained control and kind of like took back their houses that the Kens had taken over and kind of said, but we will give Kens some representation right just a little they like asked to be like can we have a justice and they were like oh no, no, no not yet but they gave <laughs> them like some kind of insignificant rules I don't remember maybe like social chair <laughs> which is mm-hmm. often what women get to be um, on committees so I thought that was interesting that they chose to go in that direction what do you think about that whole idea of like the women taking back their power and then kind of like what happens to the kens after that
1: well for For one, I mean, I think that they wouldn't have been able to do that as individuals. They worked together, they created Mm -hmm. a plan, and they all supported each other in order to make that happen.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. I think that's how change happens is whenever we start to talk about our shared experiences, say this is not okay, say we'd like something different and... Come up with together, like what that looks like. I think mean, that's a really good point. And then also
1: a little bit to my point before about how women are given roles in a patriarchy. That Ken's were satisfied with getting these insignificant roles. They
0: were given something, right?
1: And I think that's commonly well. Okay, we'll accept that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got something, and I don't maybe deserve more, which is that, you know, inner voice and story that we're telling ourselves that
0: isn't necessarily truth. It's like the default. I don't want to say we come into the world with, because we're coming in as blank slates, but like through our socialization and upbringing, we learn that like, here's our place and here's what we deserve. And it's just so much less than what men are told that they deserve. Mm -hmm. So like, where men are feeling more entitled to those roles of leadership and to the power. I think we're feeling like, Ooh, I don't deserve that. So there's like just this huge Delta because it's like, we're just, trying to be happy with what we've got and then mm. we get a little bit more and we're like oh I don't deserve this like this <laughs> is an upgrade but like there's still so much space between where we're at and where yeah. men are feeling like their default is yeah right I think it was also really interesting to see a Ken at the end because I had read about oh this is such a anti-male movie I feel like Ken's ending really proved that untrue Along with lots of other things in the movie, but that was right because it kind of finally he realized, like, I'm actually not all of those labels that you put on me. I am Ken. There was like the song, ridiculous song and <laughs> sequence about, I think it was called, I'm just Ken.
1: I am Kenna. Kenna. That's right. I am Ken <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. Yeah. And I think that that is such an important kind of liberating thought is that he's not all those things that Barbie and Mattel like projected on him whenever they created like the matriarchal system, right? Where like the Barbies are in charge in the cancer superfluous, Mm -hmm. he doesn't like have to take all of that on. And so I think that for me was like, oh yes, like that's what I hope for, for us, for women, is that we can also recognize that like, Mm -hmm. we are not all of those things that society has put on us. We are not all of those labels. We are not the sexualized and objectified versions that society has casted. Onto us, right? Like we can kind of define ourselves, and I think that that felt really empowering to me as well. What did you think about that? I agree. And Barbie says,
1: you know, maybe it's not Barbie and Ken. Maybe it's Barbie and it's Ken. Mm -hmm. We are our own people. We do not exist for one another. We are, you know, enough, you know, like we can be our own individuals without all of those ideas just being forced onto us. And we don't have to yeah. live in a world where we are, you know, in Ken's case, only there for
0: her to notice. When I think about like the two extremes depicted in this movie, the Barbie land and Kendom I don't actually think that either of the extremes are ideal. If I had to pick one, would I pick one where, (laughs) like, would I pick a world that was made for me where women are calling the shots? Sure. Can we go to Barbie land now? That's probably better. (laughs) But I don't think that those two extremes are the only options. I feel like we kind of get stuck in these like forced dichotomies in our society of, you know, especially like politically, right? You're either one party or the other. I think that there's so much to be learned from just like maybe creating something completely different. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. And so I don't actually want men to feel like women do now, right? Like how Ken was portrayed at the beginning of the movie. Like, I don't want that for men. I don't want that for anybody. When we say take down the patriarchy or bring down the patriarchy to me that doesn't mean like down with the men or like right. the anti-men in any way it just means more like let's create a world for all of us mm-hmm. let's actually build workplaces and communities right with men and women both in mind not just one or the other it's just what if we built it together and created it together right. and it wasn't like either or to me, like that's the ideal, the egalitarian society, right? Like that is the ideal to me. What do you think about that? I think
1: what you said, like work together to make these policies is the biggest thing there. Because if you're truly considering everybody's input, and you truly are working together. You know, I was thinking about it actually specifically from like a maternity leave standpoint,
0: Mm, mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) you know, in terms of workplaces being set up for men. Fortunately, you know, a lot of the bigger companies are getting better about mat leave and creating spaces for women who are breastfeeding and whatnot. But I know like when I had to take off for maternity leave, I didn't feel very good about it, even though my company was like very gracious and giving. Mm And and I took 12 weeks of paid maternity leave, which like was a huge blessing because I honestly was like, how long should I ask for? Mm -hmm. Is that too long? Mm -hmm. Maybe I can get six weeks paid and six weeks unpaid. Like what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. what would be okay what's not too much to ask for and unfortunately you know I did that to myself but that comes from a long history of well you just don't do that Mm -hmm. like you just don't take time off work and get paid for it you just don't devote your time to other things that are also very important, like raising a child mm-hmm. <laughs> and giving birth and recovering so that you can come back and be effective and be yeah. you know, very strong in your role again.
0: Yeah, you're supposed to work like you don't have children and parent like you don't have a job. Right. Well, I think two things about that. I think one is that idea of feeling like, we don't deserve it. Yes. If the systems were set up by men and women, then we might feel like that's just something that happens, right? A lot of other countries outside the United States. It's just inherent that that's what happens. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So no one is like, no, there's no drama about, oh, I'm going to take a year off. It's just like, that's what happens in our society Mm -hmm. in order to create you know, the next generation, like we're all in that together because we want to see the next generation thrive. And so you taking some time away from this job that will always be here right. when you get back is fine. Like we're all invested in that. And so there's the idea of like what we deserve quote unquote. And then there's the idea of like, that is one of the great things that I think if we were to create the world together mm-hmm. and create our, our society together, then that's something that would be considered. Of course, it wasn't considered whenever our workplaces were being set up because men didn't have babies and they had full-time caregivers at home in their wives, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Free child exactly. care. That's a really good point. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining me to talk about this and seeing the movie with me. It was so fun to watch it with you and uh, to talk through it. Also, I would love to hear any of your takeaways that maybe we didn't cover today, or if you agree or disagree with any of the things that we did dive into today. So thank you so much, Laura, and thank you to everyone for listening. Have a great day. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Executive Coach for Moms podcast. Please like, subscribe, or follow the show so you'll be notified when the next episode is available. I hope you'll join me again next time. Take care.